Bangkok, Thailand, a tropical metropolis of over 10 million people. Living in this vibrant city, I've met some pretty incredible people with even more incredible experiences. Now I'm bringing you all the real life stories, scams, triumphs, and temptations. Join me as we take a trip down the rabbit hole and find out what it's really like in one of the world's most famous destinations. What's up, guys, and welcome to the One Night in Bangkok podcast. Tonight, I am joined by my good friend, and tonight we're going to be talking about his experience coming to Thailand for the first time, falling in love, maybe unexpectedly, and the whole story of bringing his soon-to-be wife back to America. If you guys are new here, my name is Eric. I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts, and I've been in Thailand for almost five years now. If you're traveling to Thailand soon, or if you want to live here, hit the subscribe button. We've got so many cool guests coming up, and I don't want you to miss anything. Links for everything and everyone we talk about will be down in the description. And if you've got comments, make sure you also drop them down there as well so we can answer all of your questions. Now let's get started. We are both from Boston. That's right. And about four years ago, almost, I convinced you to make the trip over here to Thailand. Yes, you did. And that was probably a good decision, wasn't it? It, it absolutely was, man. It, it completely changed my life uh, in so many unexpected ways. So can you just give a little background on yourself, like um, where you're, you're from Boston, but Long Island originally? Yeah, yeah. I grew up uh, in New York on Long Island um, and came to Boston when I was uh, 18 to go to college, uh, fell in love with the town and decided not to go home uh, and stayed there uh, and, and ended up working uh, and uh, that, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and you've got some other talents because how we actually met was through my other business where we do EDM shows. Yes, sir. And you were a part of that for a while. So I'll put some photos or videos of that right here so people can see it because I feel like people here in Thailand have no idea that that's something that, you know, I was doing back in the US. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that you're here and we, we were doing that uh, back in the US. So. About four years ago, this was before COVID, maybe a, six months before COVID, uh, I was kind of trying to motivate you to make the trip out here because I had already been out here for several months at that point and I saw how amazing it was out here. And at the time, I feel like you kind of had the attitude of, like, why make such a long flight? Everything is the same in the world at this point. I think that was the, the quote 100%, that you had. dude. Yeah, we absolutely had that conversation. I was very jaded because I had been a few places, you know, and uh, like the, the one that sticks out of my mind the most was, was Dublin, right? I went to Dublin, Ireland, and I was so disappointed because it was, you know, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and Subway and like whatever. And it was like nothing special. And I was just like, wow. Uh, and I, honestly, I knew nothing about Thailand other than what I had, this is so ridiculous, but other than what I had seen in one of those hangover movies. Right. That's that, most people, you know, I think. Yeah. And, and it me. was just like, you know, like crazy partying in Bangkok or whatever. And I was just like, okay, fine. But wh why is that special? Why would I want to go, you know, 20 something hours across the world to do that? I can do that in any metropolis. Um, and so I was going through, you know, just, it was just kind of like a rough pa patch in my life, a rough patch in my life. And, uh, you're a great friend of mine and you saw that and you were just like, I think you need, uh, a change of scenery. 
And so you suggested Thailand to me, you sold me on it. But what was really kind of wonderful about that experience is that I said yes, and I didn't look up anything. I didn't, you, you sent me <laughs> yeah. an itinerary and I didn't look at any of it. I just said, you know what? I'm going to go in a hundred percent blind, have no clue what this country is going to be like, what we're going to see totally new to me, every aspect of it. And so, uh, from that day one through the end of that, I think it was here seven or eight days with you that first week, it, my mind was completely just blown every day. Yeah. I was thinking from like, from your perspective, it was crazy because when I came here, I had to figure a lot of things out and I kind of got into things slowly, but then I think within hours of you landing, we met in Chiang Mai, we were in the back of a pickup truck on the way to a mountain. And then we were like hiking with elephants, yes, <laughs> right? And it's going to be wild going from like, okay, you get on the plane, you get off the plane and now you're on a mountain with elephants. Bro, it, it was it was incredible. It genuinely was. Uh, I had and and that was another thing. I didn't know what to expect. I knew I was going to see elephants that day, but to what degree, right? And little did I know that we'd be walking alongside them, uh, and it would be just a private group, you, me, and our friend Sherry. Yeah, there were three of us. Uh, yeah. And uh, the fact that we, you know, actually swam with them, bathed them, uh, and it was it was genuinely amazing. Uh, it, it 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 I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love seeing that in people that come here, it's just like mind blown, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's so f far removed from what we're used to yeah. in, in the U.S. And what, what I appreciated about it is that it was clearly very important to you that we went to this particular elephant sanctuary because they didn't let you ride the elephants. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I had been to this one before and on my initial trip, I did a lot of research because in Thailand, there's a lot of elephants, so-called sanctuaries, where they, they still really kind of abuse them, including mm -hmm. like riding them or making them do tricks or stuff like that. Right. Yeah, there was none of that. Right. And there are, there are a few that I think are uh, much better. And maybe they're not perfect, mm -hmm. but, but they're definitely much better. And a lot of times they rescue the elephants from like bad situations. Like I remember at that particular camp, they told me that um, one of the female elephants they had, they had rescued her because she was part of a logging operation and uh she broke her leg on a mountain and if an elephant is like not useful anymore to a business they're probably just like leave it to die or kill it or whatever so they ended up buying it from this company and then like helping the elephant recover and then just lives at the sanctuary now yeah, it's beautiful yeah so from chiang mai we went to uh we we did that thing with elephants i think we might have gone to like the night market mm -hmm. and then we went to down to the islands we went to uh not Samui. We went to Gal Copanyang, right? Penyan. I, I, I cannot say this right because I, <laughs> I want to say Pana, which yeah. is the other place near Phuket. But yeah, we went down to uh, those islands kind of in the Gulf and we went to the full moon party. Right. Right. Yeah. And the cool thing about that, I didn't even really realize this. The hotel we booked, the, the room was like 10 feet from the speakers of the full moon party. Yep. It, it was like, I don't know. Right how, I don't know how you slept that night, man. Because I, think, I, I was the one, you know, I, I was the one drinking and you don't drink. And so by the end of the night, I didn't matter how loud the speakers were. I just crashed out. I was good. So I, I had no idea how you crashed I out. I think that I night. was just so exhausted. Yeah, probably. And this is like, it's wild to think about. Like at that time, we were now just like two months before COVID started mm. and nobody had any idea. No. And, and it's like, I appreciate things more now because you never know when moments like that will cease to exist, mm -hmm. right? I thought about that week for a long time because during COVID it was like, there was nothing like that. You couldn't see friends, you couldn't travel. And uh, we had an epic few days there. 
Yes, so we, yes, we absolutely did. We went to the north. We went to some islands. And then uh, we went, we eventually got back to Bangkok. Yep. And I made a list of different things in Bangkok, like various activities. And I think we just like picked off the list. And do you want to talk about where we went that first night? Uh, are you talking about Soy Cowboy? I'm talking about Soy Cowboy. Okay. <laughs> so that, that's another thing that I knew nothing about. Uh, I actually vaguely remember the conversation. I think we were on a boat, um, you know, just kind of seeing kind of the more remote islands. And you were doing some photo shoots with a couple of girls. And one of them, one of those girls uh, said, are you going to go to Soy Cowboy? And I said, what is that? And so she explained it to me. And I, at the time, I, I was single. And I said, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please. But, so what's funny about that is I'd already been here for almost a year at that point, mm-hmm. And I had never been to Soy Cowboy. Mm-hmm. I had never been to Nana Plaza. I'd never been to anything like that. Because I just heard a lot of bad stories, neg- very negative things. And I actually, I had on a previous trip gone to the street like Soy Cowboy, yep. but just the outside so I could like take pictures of the signs because it's kind of a cool looking street with all the neon signs. And I just walked down the street and I was kind of like really, I don't want to say scared, but like I was sketched out a little bit because mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do. Like I've heard stories like they'll drug your drink or like they'll steal something from you or whatever. And so I wouldn't dare go inside. Um, not to mention they've got security at all the doors. They have like big signs that say like no photos. And it's like, can be quite intimidating. I think if you're not, you know, if you don't know what's what. So I never went before, but when you came, you said, okay, let's go. So I said, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've never seen anything like that before, you know, and I've heard about things like that. Like I went to Japan and I know they have like a red light district there or whatever, but there's no foreigners allowed. Like you, you're not, oh, you really? can't go there. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think that there's anything like that in America that I can think of. Uh, actually probably Vegas. Right. But I, I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, and so I was just curious. I was just curious to see it. I didn't know what to expect. Again, I didn't look up anything. Even when your friend told me about it, I didn't Google it or anything. I yeah, just said, probably let's a good just thing. go. You know? <laughs> I remember the first bar we went to, it's called Crazy. It's still there. And we went super early. We went at 7 p.m. And it was just you and me in this like elderly gentleman. And I was like, this is so bizarre. Mm. Be- and I was thinking to myself, like, what a time to be alive. Like th- <laughs> this guy, this older guy in the bar, he looked so happy. I don't know what this guy has seen in his life, but I could tell he was happy where he is right now. Uh, so good for him. Yep. But we, we didn't stay there very long. We ended up at another bar on the street. Well, we went to a few actually. We, we poked our heads in yeah. just to kind of see what they're like. And, and what, what was so interesting to me is just, just that there actually genuinely is sort of a mix of experiences in that the first place that we went to, I think was like a typical felt to me, at least like a typical strip club. Sure. Right. Where the, you know, the girls took their tops off or whatever. And then I think the second or third place that we went to was the ping pong show, which was not, oh, I was not into that at all. That was, uh, I, I had a weird night, like the first bar. Cause when you walk into these bars, like probably within five seconds, the girls come up to you and they mm-hmm. try to sit with you. Mm-hmm. Can you buy me a drink? That whole thing. And call me lame, whatever. I'm just not super into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So, uh, I remember a girl came up to me and kind of tapped me on the shoulder. I was like, Oh no, thank you. Then a second girl came over and kind of tapped me on the shoulder. And I said, no, thank you. And then I felt someone tap my shoulder and I turned this time 
and they sent a guy over like oh. a, a young guy i don't know if you remember this and i was like definitely no thank you like i think they just never saw a guy come in and just not want to talk to any girls or mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. so they, they must have thought i was uh i wasn't into girls i don't know yeah sure i mean so, potentially reasonable assumption you never know yeah so uh yeah then we did we we did go to that ping pong show right that's the very first briefly we were i think we were only there like five minutes it wasn't a long time because yeah. we were both just like okay i mean this is probably somebody's thing but definitely i, I not feel like it's one thing. of those things that is popular because it has a certain reputation and not because it's actually entertaining whatsoever yeah i don't know i really don't know who that appeals to it's uh Certainly not the girls, right? I can't, I can't imagine. But uh, but yeah, very, very strange. So we got out of there pretty quickly. Um, and then where we ended up for the rest of the night was honestly more like, I feel like, more like a maid cafe, okay. but with dancing. Sure. I've never because, been to a maid cafe. Uh, so basically a maid cafe, and I actually haven't either, but like I said, I've been to Japan, and so I'm aware of them. And essentially what they are is, you know, you pay a girl to sit with you and drink with you. That's basically it. Um, and have a conversation. And they don't take their clothes off or anything. And there's no, like, promise of anything. Uh -huh. It's just, you know, you have the company of a female. And so where we ended up was very similar to that, except occasionally the girls would go dance. Uh, they never took their clothes off or anything. It was just, hey, you want to sit and talk to this girl? Great, you can. And you can buy her a drink if you want. Um, and then eventually she might go dance, but clothed. And then maybe she'll come back or maybe she'll go find somebody else if she doesn't like you. Yeah. So on the way into this bar, mm -hmm. I'm walking through the front door. And as I'm walking through the front door, I'll never forget this. I see a girl walking out mm. outside. And she kind of had to me like this kind of like Japanese look. And I know that you're kind of into the Japanese thing. You studied Japanese. Yep. And you've been to Japan. And uh, I thought to myself, oh, he's going to like her. And I guess I was right. Because now you're getting married. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. We're, we're leaving tomorrow, actually, to, to go back to the US. Yeah. So what a crazy story. I mean, that's like something that, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's almost too good to be true. You know, it really like, is, man. Genuinely, the the way that I, I've thought about it so many times over these last four years, uh, roughly, it'll be four years in November, um, and roughly over these last four years, just it's honestly like you could make a movie out of it. Yeah. It's just so bizarre, especially because COVID happened in the middle of it. So do you want to say that's such name? an important part of the story, the, the COVID right. piece? That, that like turn the world upside down for everyone, especially yep. if you're trying to be in a relationship with someone on the other side of the well, planet. That's the thing. Like I, I never would have tried to be in a relationship with her if it hadn't been for COVID. Oh, really? 100%. Because that's just the most unrealistic thing in the world. Like this girl's 20 something hours away from me. Right. And I, I just think, you know, if I'm, I, I, if I would have had a wonderful time with her headed back to my country and just, you know, would have gotten back to life as normal. But what ended up happening is, you know, we, so actually, let me take a step back. So while we were together, that, that first night, I just like connected with her in this. Can we so, say her name? You. Yeah, sure. Her name's. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that first night uh, I connected with her and, um, and it, there was just like this electricity, like I've never felt in my life, like, you know, and I, I did kind of, uh, rein myself in a bit, you know, cause you, you have to be careful no matter what is like anybody could be putting on an act, you know, sure. and she could just be a really good actor. Um, and so, or actress. And so, uh, you know, I just was like, okay, that was kind of amazing meeting that person that night, but I need to 
Be yeah, careful. And I remember being not like sketched out. That's not the word. No, but not I was out. Of course, not. very cautious at that yeah, time. Cautious. To the point where, like, I was kind of just watching to make sure that like nothing bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Which you know, maybe, maybe that that was a good way to think about, it, or maybe not. It's funny now because like they're all our friends now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But right. back then, love, we don't know anybody in at that shop. Sure. Um, so, and at that that time, you were just visiting Thailand for like one week, right? Yeah. And then yeah, I think you were going days. to Japan after? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so you met her that night, and then did we go back the next night? I don't we, know. Well, yeah. No. Actually, we did. Yeah. For Actually, it was, we had three nights in Bangkok, I think, and we saw her for at least some period of time every night yeah. for the next three nights. Um, and it was just because that first night we just hit it off and she gave me her, her info. They use an app here called line, uh, which I had to download and, and add her. Um, and you know, I basically just chatted with her the next day, let her know where we were going. Um, and she was just like, Oh, please come back, you know? And, and so we did and, you know, nothing happened, but, uh, we ended up coming back to the U S and I still had her information and, you know, probably a week went by. So this was November, 2019. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So probably a week went by and I heard from her again. I was just like, Oh, that's nice. But again, like I was in my pre COVID, uh, mindset where I was just like, when am I going to get to Thailand again? And how, how much sense does it make for me to really be talking to this girl? Uh, and how much of that experience with her was, was even, you know, real. Um, but it felt so 100% legitimate. Like there was just this electricity, this this rawness and this realness uh, to the what I felt in her presence. Um, and so I just, of course, I, I wrote her back and I was just like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to her. We'll, we'll see what happens here. But at the same time, I was just like, it seemed unrealistic to me. But then COVID happened and well, hold on a second. Didn't you come back? So that was November. Oh, yes, that's and right. And then... Yes. What? Well, yeah, we, I did come back. And then you came back in January. Uh, yes, that's right. But for Dave Chappelle. <laughs> okay. So what's funny is I had a very similar story when I first came to Thailand mm-hmm. to live here. My initial plan was just to come for one month. Mm-hmm. And then the one month turned into like seven weeks. Yep. And I went back to the U.S. And the first day back in the U.S., it started snowing. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is awful. Yep. And I was like, I have to figure out a way. I don't know how because it makes no sense, but I need to figure out a way to get back to Thailand. Mm-hmm. And within about another month, I was on the plane back to Thailand. And it's funny because the same thing happened to you. Right, You came in November, yep. and then by like mid-January, you were right, back on the plane. 100%, but the, the motivation, well, there, there was definitely a twofold motivation. It was it was the fact that, you know, she, she messaged me even after I left and we started talking again. And I was just like, wow, that's kind of wild. Uh, that this girl wants to reach out to me and talk to me and, and, you know, I'm going to see where this goes. But then you posted on Facebook sometime in December that Dave Chappelle was going to be in Bangkok in January, I think. Was it January? Um, and so that was just like a spark where I was just like, wow. Uh, so I'm hitting it off with this girl who's, you know, it really given me, you know, something that I've never felt before. Um, and 
my favorite comedian happens to be playing in this town and we're somehow able to get like 10th row tickets no, for we had third row we was had it, third yeah, row not, seats for like it was not crazy that for, much money no, right not, yeah we would have paid thousands of dollars yeah, for, the, yeah, yeah. for those tickets in the u.s and we paid like 100 bucks or something yeah. like that um and it was just like how do i pass that up how do i pass up that opportunity to to see this girl again see my favorite comedian again and continue to experience this country that i had knew nothing about that you showed me and was, that I was all, all of a sudden in love with. Um, and so uh, came back here and, uh, and thank you for reminding me of that actually. Uh, so came back here, saw the show uh, and then ended up going with her to Pattaya for a few days, uh, which was wonderful and uh, actually taught her how to swim <laughs> that uh, over those few days she had never really swam before, which was totally adorable. Um, and, and just again, like had an incredible experience, uh, with her. Um, and so then COVID happened. So, so my apologies for, for right. skipping that little chapter. Um, but yeah, so you're right. So we did have those, those two experiences together. Um, but what I was trying to say about, you know, how I kind of felt like this would not have been the most realistic relationship if not for COVID is that, because of COVID, everybody in the world was locked down, right? So there was literally zero chance of me meeting anybody other than if I were to just try to go on like Tinder or something like that. And then even if you're going to go on Tinder, where are you going to go? Right. right. Where are you going to well, go? I, I, that's exactly what I did. And it did not end up very well. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, so I'm just like, okay, well, I have this really amazing connection with this girl. She's halfway across the world. Sure. However... I'm not going to meet anybody else in my own country. So I'm just going to pursue this and see where it goes. And so over the next year, uh, we just uh, continued talking and it continued to progress. And I started to see what a real and genuine, incredible person this woman is, um, or was at the time, but continues to be today, uh, where she just kind of showed me that, you know, she isn't or wasn't what you had potentially heard about uh on soy cowboy of you know yeah and let's talk about that for a second mm -hmm. because so many guys i feel like in other videos online or whatever they have this very narrow view of what these girls are like mm -hmm. in places like soy cowboy nana plaza and i will say everything you read is true but for a percentage of them Right. And there's, I would say there's a big spectrum For sure. and there's some people at one end of the spectrum and some at the other. Yep. And it can not, it's not always easy to tell, you know, who's who, especially in the beginning. Yep. But like, we've spent a lot of time, um, in these bars now because mm -hmm. she's working there. We became friends with her friends. And I think for me anyway, because, you know, I'm not like a big drinker and because I'm living here, it was, e it was easier for probably me than a lot of people to become like friends with a lot of these people, these girls in the staff and everything versus someone that's just coming here for like a few days. So I felt like I really get to see behind the scenes and the girls would tell me a lot of things that, you know, I think most people don't know about like what goes on. But it, I mean, it's true. Like some of these bars, some of these girls, they're really, really hardcore. They're really trying to make as much money as they can. It's cutthroat. They're providing as many services as they can sell. Uh, but other times, a lot of these girls literally show up, have drinks with customers, and then just go home. Yep. And that's that's it. Yeah. Um, and some of them make no money, and some of them, I think, make a considerable amount of money. So it's really hard to talk about this topic in any one way. So I just wanted to point out that, like, 
we're not saying that everything out there is false, but there is a lot of diversity in this 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 part of the, yeah, the, the no, scene abso- here. Absolutely. I mean, and and her story and the story of some of her closer friends uh, from Soy Cowboy uh, are basically just that they are from remote parts of Thailand where the opportunity to earn an income is um, ex- very reduced and especially as a, a woman in this country. And so what she ended up doing is, um, you know, again, she's from a, originally from a very remote area. Her family has a farm and, you know, they, they do okay, but it's certainly, you know, they're, they're, they were definitely like having a, a difficult time. And so she took it upon herself to come to Bangkok to try to help her family. And so she started out um, in, you know, much more menial jobs of like, you know, cleaning houses or washing dishes, um, you know, just she actually made jewelry for a time. She made clothing for a time and, you know, was basically just trying to continue to raise her income more and more, but with the intent of helping her parents mm. and, you know, helping to kind of lift them up economically. Um, and that is absolutely the story of many of the girls at Soy Cowboy. Yeah. That they are just trying to help their families who are in these more remote areas of Thailand, who are likely farmers and who are having a, a tough go of it generally. Yeah. And the opportunity to earn at Soy Cowboy just by sitting with customers and having some drinks, not compromising yourself, um, is way better than most opportunities that are out there for women here and so um and she actually had no idea uh that soy cowboy even existed for the majority of her youth um but at some point in her late 20s um a uh she met someone who heard her story understood what she was trying to do for her family um understood that you know she was just trying to make money to help rebuild their home to, to give them a proper place to live. Um, and she was just like, look, I know this is going to kind of be a culture shock for you, but I work at this place called soy cowboy. And if you come there and you can learn how to drink, cause that was something that they had never done. Um, if you can learn how to drink and, you know, kind of keep, keep drinking for the majority of the night, if not all night, then, you know, men will come and they will buy you drinks and they just want to talk to you. And all you have to do is sit and talk and occasionally get up and dance, keep your clothes on, and you will be able to help your family tremendously. And so she agreed reluctantly and uh, she actually quit multiple times because it was so difficult for her. She was shy. Um, you know, a lot of the people who come through Soy Cowboy are not Thai. Uh, and that was, you know, she could she could speak this uh, kind of local rural language. I believe it's called Isan mm. is the language. Uh, she can speak Lao and she can speak Thai. Or at the time she could. She's learned Japanese and English since. But, um, you know, most of the people coming through didn't speak those languages. And so she just felt incredibly uncomfortable. And also she didn't know how to really uh, hold her alcohol. And so it was just a really difficult thing for her. So she, she quit after like a couple of days and then her friend convinced her to try it again. 
Uh, and she, this time I think she made it a couple of weeks or may, you know, I think roughly a couple of weeks and then she quit again because it was just, she just felt so uncomfortable. It was just such a culture shock for her. Um, but again, you know, she, she, her friend was like, look, I understand it's, it's, but I also understand that you're, you're trying to help your family here. Like that's, I know that's your goal. Think about the money you just made in those two weeks. Think about the fact that you were so uncomfortable and yet, and, and, you know, because of that discomfort, weren't able to get people to sit and have drinks with you all night. You just had a few customers. Uh, but the money that you were able to make during that time is probably like three times what you made, whether, whether it was show, sewing shirts, building jewelry, whatever. And she convinced her again. So she went back the third time. And I think that was the time where it stuck. Let, let's quickly break down how the girls actually make money, mm-hmm. because I think this is also there's a misconception around this. Mm-hmm. And again, this might not be the same for every bar and some, the deals are a little different, but generally what I've seen is the girls get a small salary, a monthly salary, right. just to show up and work X amount of days. Yep. And usually they're working like six days a week. Is that right? Uh, well, she, she worked seven actually. Okay. Yeah. She would take off like two, two days a month, I think. Okay. Um, and th- that's hard. I mean, basically in a super loud club, dancing, yep. drinking yep. every night. I mean, that's going to be brutal. Yep. Um, and then they've got what they call lady drinks. Mm-hmm. So when a customer comes in, they'll approach the customer and sit with them and talk and say like, oh, can you buy me a drink? Something like that. And those drinks are at inflated prices. They're not like a norm- price of a normal drink. You right. know, they might be double or something, about double or triple the price of a normal drink. Um, and out of that, the girls get a commission, right? Yes. Okay. So like... I don't know what drinks even go for now. Like how much is a lady drink? I think like 300 baht. Yeah. It could be like two to 300 baht. And out of that, what do you think the average commission is? I think 180 baht. Oh, really? I thought it was a lot. I've heard it's more like 100. But again, it probably varies from bar yeah, to bar. I, honestly, yeah, that could okay. be my memory failing So me. let's I'm just say sure. they get between 100 and 200 baht commission per drink. And then they're they're trying to make a lot of drinks per night. So like what's a good night? Like how many drinks? At that time, she could really hold her liquor. Yeah. Uh, you know, she hasn't done that in a while. So I've got to think. Uh, I think she said that at her peak, she was able to drink like 30 drinks. Oh my God. <laughs> but it also, a lot of the times, they're not, uh, from what I've seen, they're not even drinking alcohol. Like especially yeah, some, as it gets later. Well, what do you mean? Okay. I'm giving away all the dirty secrets yeah. here. So especially like... Oh, it, you're talking about when they just like drink water? Yeah. yeah so yeah, like sure, the customer sure. will buy them a drink. They'll order like a tequila shot or something. Right. And it'll be and water. water. A, yeah, glad, yeah. Or like sure. a watered down tequila shot right. or something. Yep. And the customer doesn't know. But I mean, how else could these girls do like 30, right. 30 drinks, drinks a night? night. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's crazy. Yep. So, um, so they get the salary, they get the commission on the drinks, and then... Some girls, but not all girls, will leave the bar with customers and the customers pay a bar fine, mm-hmm. which is basically the fee to take the girl out of the bar. Right. And then the girl may also charge like an additional amount to the customer after that. So that, that's kind of like quick overview of how the, the bar girls make money. And I've heard from different girls, like different bars have different, they're looking for different things. Like I met someone who went to work at one bar in Psy Cowboy and they were really strict. They wanted a certain amount of drinks per week and they wanted a certain amount of bar fines per week. They wanted the girl to go with a certain amount of customers per week. And she was like not into that. And so she ended up going to a different bar and that was much more relaxed, which is based, they told her you can just kind of show up and 
do whatever. And if you want to, don't want to come to work, if you don't want to go to customers, that's totally fine. You'll just get paid, you know, based on whatever you want to do. Yeah, right. So there really is like a huge spectrum. Yep. So, and I also want to say, cause I know probably a lot of people are going to say like something like, oh, you know, she just pulled the wool over your eyes. You yeah, don't no know. Doubt. I can attest, I've been in these places when she doesn't know I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen her do anything bad. You know, she's very, I think people forget like Thailand is a very conservative culture. Yeah. So when it's, that's not abnormal to me now, like thinking about it that way. But I think uh, a lot of the outsiders think that all the girls here are exactly the same. And it's just not true. Nope. I mean, there are, on the other hand, some girls that are exactly what you've read about oh, online. Oh, 100%. And there's, I'm not going to say her name now, but it starts with a C. She works, she worked at the same bar. Mm-hmm. She had blonde hair at the time. And she's kind of, in my eyes, she's kind of infamous at this bar because she just, she's probably like the number one girl at this bar in terms of sales. Mm-hmm. And I never talked to her uh, for a while. And I think she never really talked to me because she knew I wasn't going to be like a customer. And so she didn't want to waste the time. But there was a slow, a slow night. And, um, I just chatted with her for like 30 minutes and I was shocked to find out that she has family in the U S and she can go there if she wants, but she doesn't want to because she thinks her life is so great here in Bangkok. She just drinks every night parties. You know, I just saw her on Instagram, uh, earlier. She, she was posting a picture of like all this alcohol and I don't want to say it, but like, uh, the green stuff. You know, she's just living the party life, mm-hmm. right? And that is a very different kind of life than... And so it's interesting, like when you see behind the scenes, you really start to see the differences. But from the outside, it can look all the same. But I think foreigners, when they come here, a lot of them get into trouble because it's very hard to know the difference between all of these girls and their their actual motivations. So I think you got very lucky. 100%. Yeah, I mean, just for me, it uh, it was just all about that year that we spent locked down and the time that we spent kind of just getting to know each other and getting to understand each other's cultures and, and the differences between us. And um, that time, you know, like I said, is 100% why this relationship even flourished. Yeah, because now that you explain it that way, I never thought about this. Like mm. if COVID didn't happen, what probably probably would have happened to you is you probably would have just been the classic holiday boyfriend where you travel to Thailand while you're here, you meet a girl, you travel around Pattaya, Phuket, whatever, and then you go back to your home country, back to your normal life, and then that kind of just fades away. Right. And then maybe she'll go on and meet someone else and the whole right. cycle repeats itself. But because of COVID, her work stopped, your yep. life kind of stopped. You weren't going out. You were at home and you had the time and ability to kind of make this like more, this deeper bond. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a weird blessing in disguise. hundred percent, man. It was very, very bizarre. Uh, this, this tragic global event that made everybody's lives more difficult, sometimes tragic. It ended up being bizarrely a blessing for me because that's how I ended up on this track that I'm on. And so we, we spent that year where we were fully locked down. You know, like you said, she couldn't work because all of Thailand's nightlife was shut down. She went back to her um, hometown 
and stayed with her her parents. Um, and that was another reason that uh, I got to know that she was being 100% legitimate with me about her whole story is because I got to see it all. I remember you sent me photos of her like in the rice field. Yeah, exactly. And that like blew my mind Mm -hmm. because where we come from, girls that look like her are not doing like manual labor like that. Exactly, yeah. And Uh, she was, she was in there, you know, and that's how I knew like she was fully committed to her family, to helping her parents because she was in the fields. She was helping to uh, harvest the, the corn or to clean the rice, or to put down fertilizer. Um, you know, she was catching fish uh, with her hands out of the mud, and you know, just showing me all of this. And I was just blown away by uh, her her character. She she wasn't this like I'm too good for this. You know, I you know I'm exactly. beautiful. I should just be taken care of like a princess. She was just like, no, I if I can't work in Bangkok, I'm gonna work for my family. Yeah, and I love that. It was that. just like incredible to see. So, in coming from a, like a big city in the U.S., it's like such a big difference. But yeah, for man. you, like you obviously have had relationships before. What are the big differences that stood out for you before between relationships with American women? And then coming to Thailand and experiencing this. I mean, it's vast. Um, And that was, I'll be honest, like one of the things that drew me in so incredibly. Um, And, you know, this it's it's different tastes, right? Like everybody has their own type. Right. Um, But. My experience, you know, and I obviously I'm not speaking about all Thai women because I I did not date all Thai women. I just dated one. But this particular woman um, is just, she's so focused. And forgive me, I maybe sound like a broken record, but she's so focused on family. Like that is everything to her. And that was just beautiful to see. And what I experience in the States, and I'm not even saying this about women, just generally, everybody is so focused on the culture, you know? And uh, whether that means like music, movies, politics, YouTube, whatever, it's just, that's the focus. And that was, she couldn't care less about any of that stuff. When we were talking over line that the app that everybody uses here, that's what we used to video chat. When we were talking over that, I would ask her those questions like, who's your favorite musician? What's your favorite movie? Who, you know, do you have a favorite YouTuber? All this stuff. And her answer was always like, I don't have one. It's just like, well, what do you do with your time? I work. What? Okay. Amazing. Okay. And so her, her constant focus always was family, 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 family. And I've never met anybody like that in the States. (laughs) Not a single person. Everybody in the U.S. is just culture, 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 you know, and and uh, and it was just so incredibly refreshing to me. It I've it it blew my mind genuinely. I know I said that earlier, but it it did. It it really did. I I was shocked by it, and it it helped me to understand why that electricity was there, because I can't say that at the time I was removed from the culture. But I am now. Yeah. And she inspired that in me. So there's a big 
uh, word going around, passport bro, this phrase. Mm. And I, I think I asked you before, have you heard of this before or no? Uh, it sounds familiar. I think it came okay. up in conversation with so us I, once. Passport I don't bro what it is. is kind of like a derogatory term that a lot of women in America or the West use towards men that leave their home country to mm-hmm. go to places like Southeast Asia, South America, wherever, to find a romantic partner. And uh, I, when I came here, I had didn't care about that. I didn't care about meeting someone or whatever. That's not why I came here. But once I, I got here, I realized why so many guys come to Asia or other places to like seek a relationship. I thought initially maybe it was because the way they look, like they're into like Asian look or something like that. And although that could definitely be part of it, because especially like the health standard here is a lot different than the US, I think, as far as like body types. I think most of it, most of the attraction is the cultural difference. That's the most shocking thing to me. I've had a lot of moments like you where something happened that is totally normal for them that I was like taken aback. Like, uh, you know, I could give stupid examples, but just things that I would never see in the US that I was shocked that like a girl here did. And in the reason she did it was either because of her family or because as a sign of respect or... She wants to show her uh, commitment or devotion or something like that. Things you just don't see in the West. Um, so I can totally relate to you on those things. Now, you got a chance to go up to her hometown, mm-hmm. right? So she's from Isan. She's from Isan, Sisaket to be specific. Mm-hmm. And what was it like the first time you went up there? Like, did you know, I mean... Did you like look up ahead of time, like what lifestyle was like out no, there? No, not at all. No, because even in Bangkok, I mean, we're in a big city, but there's still some like pretty stark differences than like Boston. But when you go to Asan, that's totally like, that's like another planet. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Well, I mean, I have to say, like I said, you know, we spent that year where she was in her hometown. So, and I got to see it kind of over the phone. And so it wasn't like a total uh, okay. surprise to me, you know, I, I, I had a year of exposure to it, but experiencing it in person obviously is a totally different yeah um experience um and so you know what it is is it's again kind of i'm trying to think of the best way to say this life in isan the best way to describe it is it's quiet it's extremely quiet there and you know this the soundtrack is not traffic uh, and it's not, um, you know, music, uh, it's, it's animals, uh, it's, it's insects, it's crickets. Um, it, and you know, it's, everybody's just kind of living a, a very slow paced kind of lifestyle when they're not obviously working hard at their farms. Um, you know, when they're back home, you know, it's, it's it's not this kind of I, I don't know I don't know if it's specifically her family or or what but it's not this just like constant chatter, you know and that's kind of what I am used to in the states is just and this is something that I've come to greatly appreciate and you know I was just there for three or four days and what struck me about it and I've started to really come to terms with it and appreciate it is just that sometimes you'll just sit in silence and just appreciate your surroundings whereas i feel like in the states it's always like well there's something on tv right 
and or we're having a conversation or we're debating something or I've got music playing or I'm at the gym and we're constantly going. At least that's how I am. And I feel like that's how the U.S. culture generally is, is that we're always going. It's go, 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 go. It's okay. I'm going to the work. I'm or sorry. I'm going to the office. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to a restaurant, going to meet a buddy, going home, putting on some YouTube videos, going to bed, getting up the next day, doing it again. And when I just went there for, for three, four days, my day was, okay, wake up, come outside to the porch, sit, and just kind of take in the view, maybe have, you know, some sticky rice and, you know, some, uh, you know, an omelet, and then maybe take a trip to the, a temple, walk around a little bit, pray, Go down to the river, take in the view, come back to the house, maybe eat something again. No TV, no debate, no chatter, you know, small, you know, some small talk here and there. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. They don't have uh, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. No. no. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, and uh, it just, I loved so much and I love so much that difference and i honestly like we we're going back to the u.s to marry but i i kind of wish i didn't have to i wish that it was possible to stay here and continue to have the opportunities that i do financially uh but maintain that lifestyle mm. that quiet slow paced when you're not working obviously kind of lifestyle it's let me ask you about a few specific things mm. about the isan experience that i kind of so i've never been to isan but i've mm. been to some other rural parts of thailand so i think these are kind of similar where did you sleep was it in a bed or on the floor uh well it was on the floor but i mean there were um you know blankets and things like that under us to kind of soften it okay and uh i think the most notorious part of the isan experience is the bucket shower. Yes, sir. So what did you think when you, when you first tried that? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'll be honest. I, this, is, this is just kind of like my spoiled U.S. mindset is that when I first went there, I just, I said no. You said no? Yeah, oh, I know. No. I'm ashamed of it. I feel so terrible. But I was just like, I, I was like, I need a hot, I need hot water. Like, mm. I just, I, I need it. I, I'm just like a, a creature of habit. And, you know, I've broken that down. So, like, this past time, I, I did actually, uh, in, and I enjoyed it, actually. Um, but the first time I went, it was just like, I need hot water. So, we, we went to a nearby hotel, and, and, you know, I just took a shower there. Um, but after that, uh, I was just like, why am I being like this? That's, yeah, I feel well, like I'm, that's I'm so, kind of surprised. Oh, uh, man. I, it so, was, when I went with someone invited me to go somewhere to their family house, um, it was kind of the same situation. In fact, the house didn't even have like four walls. Mm. It was semi-open. Mm. And so we slept on the floor in basically the open air. Mm -hmm. And then same kind of shower, bathroom situation, just bucket, cold water. But the way I thought about it is it's uncomfortable because it's not what you're used to. But for me, one of the best parts about being here is that you get to experience how other people live. Right. And so even if I feel, feel like I don't like this. I kind of enjoy it in a way that's like, okay, I want to understand how these people, what's normal for them. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what I didn't realize, and, and it's, so, it's so stupid, right? But, you know, I, I'm just so used to it in the States that we live in constant air conditioning, right? And so a hot shower every day of the year feels great. But when I was in Isan that first time, and I was just like, I can't do that. I need a hot shower. I absolutely sweated my face off in that shower. It was terrible because it, even at that hotel, there was barely any air conditioning and it was just the hottest room in the hottest shower. And I was just like, this is terrible. This is uncomfortable. What was I thinking? How did her family receive you? Were they happy? Incredibly warmly. Were they, okay. I wasn't sure they'd be skeptical. Or... No, no, no. They, they were incredibly sweet. Uh, because, be, you know, before I met them, we had spent, you know, over a year talking uh, on the phone while she was at home. Um, and so, you know, they got to see me on the phone with her at that and eventually every day. At first it started, it was like, you know, once a week and then it was a couple times a week and then it was every day. And so, um, you know, they got to see me on the phone with her sometimes for hours at a time. And they were just like, wow, this is something else. Like, this guy actually really does care about her because he's making sure to get on the phone with her every day, sometimes twice a day. Um, and I would, you know, try to, you know, they couldn't speak English at all, of course, like she can. Um, but I would, you know, I've tried to learn a few Thai phrases and just to interact with them a bit. And, and they always just uh, were excited to see me. And so when they finally uh, greeted me into their home, they did so incredibly warmly. Uh, hugs and, and, you know, welcoming me with food and and it was wonderful that's really cool so yeah. how many times you have you been up there uh three three and is, there's no airport is there in in Cisica? no so how do you get there train uh, or train or just driving and how far from bangkok is it far uh it's about nine hours driving yeah wow okay so that would be like boston to washington dc mm-hmm. or something yeah, like that, that yeah. i mean for her this also has to be a wild experience because I'm going to guess that four years ago, she never thought she'd be leaving Thailand. Not a million years. To go live in America of all no, places. Not a million years. Do you ever, are you ever concerned that maybe maybe she won't like America? Oh, maybe yeah. it's different than what she thinks oh, it yeah. is? No, Because she's never been there. It's not like right. she's visited and then, you know, one thing I, I tell, I talk about with a lot of people is for us, we come to Thailand because we like Thailand. So if we meet someone here, it's not really an issue for us to live here, right? But for someone like, or a lot of the women in these situations, they might meet a guy from Germany, from France, from Switzerland, wherever, and maybe they like the guy, but they don't wanna go live in Germany. So it kind of creates this issue like, what do you do? Um, for you, so when you go back, you're you're not li- even living in Boston, like no the city. Outside, you're outside, outside of Boston. Of Boston. Yeah, I, I was in uh, downtown Boston for quite some time, but I moved out a few years ago, um, and I'm now closer to the South Shore. Yeah, and I'm not. I think about this sometimes because I'm not even sure if that's if that's better or worse. Because on one hand, if you're in the city, maybe there's like a larger Thai community, but it also can be like quite a culture shock. Right. And where you are, which is like a quieter town. Yep. It, not that it's like Isan, but it's more similar, I think, to that pace of life. It's mm-hmm. like a little slower, a little quieter. So either way, it's going to be a wild. I mean, she's never even been on a plane for more than what? Like a few hours, more than like six hours, right? Yeah, to yeah. Japan. she went to Japan. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. That's the only place she's been. Yeah. 
what do you so when you, tell me about the visa process oh man uh, uh, because you started applying for this visa two years ago yeah uh so it's been an, uh, quite the journey um so it, you know when I first started the process, uh, you know, what I saw online was that it was going to take like nine to 12 months or something like that. But that was all that information was pre-COVID. So, of course, COVID, you know, shut down the world for a while, shut down, I think, you know, if I recall correctly, the visa process. And so uh, the, there was just I, what I imagine is just a giant backlog eventually when they started back up again. And we were just caught in that. Um, and so the whole thing from end to end took about two years. Um, and so at first it was just, you know, pretty simple paperwork. Um, but then it was, you know, just submitting that all and, um, uh, and then it was just waiting. Uh, and what the most difficult thing about it was just the, the waiting game had no end in sight. Uh, it was basically just like, um, you can come, you can come back and check on your, your status on this date, which was like 12 months after I applied. Uh, and I said, okay, well that's lengthy, but it is what it is. And then, uh, when I went back to check on it, it had been extended and it was like, come back in six more months. And that, that's gotta be frustrating for her because she doesn't know how the US government works. Sure. She probably thinks that you're making it up. Like you told her you're gonna do something and then you really didn't. Yeah, I mean, I never really got that impression from her. She seemed to believe what I was saying to her. And also, also because, you know, you can see this stuff online, right? So I would just, you know, send her screenshots of just like, look, look at what happened. The new date is six months from now. Um, but of course, you know, Photoshop exists, right? So I could have doctored that up, I guess. But no, I mean, our, our relationship was such that, uh, you know, we had faith in each other. Um, you know, we had just, we had spent, of course, like, we didn't get engaged, you know, until about, you know, like I said, it's been four years. So two years after we met. And so those two years, we built up a level of trust. Yeah. And also I want to mention, if it wasn't clear, you didn't come to Bangkok like for two one week trips and then get engaged. Oh, no, no, like, no. Like you were back yeah, multiple times, times, times for months times. at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In between there. Yeah, for and, sure. And so even I remember because uh, the country was pretty closed during COVID, mm -hmm. you couldn't enter on a tourist visa. Yep. So like as soon as yeah, it, it was like reopened, it was instant. Yeah. You were like both okay. of us. Both yeah, of yeah. us. You beat me here though. You got me you got here like a month before I did. I was jealous. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, so as soon as the country opened, you were here in a flash. It took me a little more time. I had to, you know, get some things situated back in the states. Um and so then came over here for roughly 3 months. Uh and so we lived essentially lived together for those 3 months. Uh, she still wasn't working. And, um, and so, you know, the, those three months were just like where the relationship truly flourished and we really got to explore the country together, uh, and saw a lot of stuff that she hadn't even seen, uh, which was amazing. So we went, we went to, uh, Kanchanaburi, we went to Saraburi, we went to Khao Yai, we went to, uh, Rayong, we went to Kolan, uh, it just really everywhere. Um, and it was just remarkable i mean this country is so insanely beautiful and i, I feel like maybe i'm the only one who didn't know that <laughs> but i feel like 
it's it's a hidden gem well, and maybe see, i'm crazy you to see a think lot that, of like but, the postcard photos of like the islands in the south and stuff like that but i think the really unique thing about thailand is it's big enough to have all these different areas but small enough with bangkok right in the middle that it's very easy to get everywhere like basically within yeah, a right. one hour flight yeah i can be in phuket i can mm -hmm. be in chiang mai i can be in wherever in thailand and there's kind of like a different sort of life for everyone here. If you want to live out in the country, you can. If you want to live on an island, you can. If you want to live in the big city, you can. It's such a unique place. And the fact that it's developed so rapidly in the past 20 years that now it's like much closer, or at least in Bangkok, the lifestyle here can be much closer to what we have in the US. So it's not even like such a sacrifice to live here like mm -hmm. it was like maybe 30 years ago. So now after COVID, She's not working at Soy Cowboy anymore. She's no, no, working no. So, at like a Japanese bar, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like a karaoke bar. Um, and, you know, that was partly at my insistence. Um, but she was happy to do it. You know, I didn't honestly have to insist. I was just like, look, I, I do feel like, you know, like I said, the maid cafe style work is not terrible. Um, and a lot of the girls there still working there are wonderful people. Uh, I consider them friends. You know, some of them even have just normal day jobs working at pharmacies and things like that. And this is just, you know, similar to Kalaya, their way of helping their families or help raise their children. Um, and so, you know, I'm not insulting the work at all by any means. Um, but it was just by that point, you know, things had gotten serious enough where I was just like, I would appreciate it if you took on a job where it was something you could potentially parlay into work in the US if the, if things continue to progress. And so now she's a bartender. Okay. It also well, it was actually so she's quit now. We're leaving tomorrow. So <laughs> sure, but that, that was yeah. a really smart idea for no other reason than being in that soy cowboy environment. It, there can be a lot of bad influence, even from the other girls. Sure. And not saying that, you know, she fell into that or anything, but the longer you're there, I feel like it can be risky and it's kind of like a black hole that sucks you in. That too. So it's great that she kind of took this like transition out outside yeah. of that. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's work that, you know, she's learned how to make drinks and things like that. And that's nothing she had done before. And that's something that she can potentially do yeah. in the States. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see if that ends up happening so or if she's she, interested. Is she nervous else. about going to the States? Does she ask you a lot of questions about it? Um, n Nervous more, honestly, about you know, like I said about her, everything is family. So the nerves are more about her inability to, you know, it's nine hours, right? So it's not like she could get to her family that quickly, but now it's 22 hours to get back yeah. to her family. Uh, that's the thing she's most nervous about is, you know, what if something happens? You know, what if there's an emergency? That's, that's the biggest worry. And the cold. For me, this is sort of unreal because it's sort of like uh, when Marvel does a movie, like a crossover movie, like they've got like the Spider-Man universe and like the yeah. Batman universe, and now they're t they're in one movie. Mm -hmm. Like my Thailand universe is now merging with my, you know, American Boston universe. Right. Now totally. they're going to be like some, like she's probably going to be friends with all of our <laughs> yeah, you know, friends I there. Hope so. I and hope that is so. a crazy thing for me to think about. It's wild. Because five years ago, if you asked me like, what are the chances of this happening? Mm -hmm. I'd be like, what are you smoking? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. it's so, you know, crazy the way life works like that. So, okay, million dollar question that I want to know from you. 
you've spent a lot of time in Thailand now, you know, mm-hmm. like months and months and months over yeah, the last few years. this is my seventh trip. Yeah. Do you ever see yourself like moving here permanently mm-hmm. or like whether during retirement or even sooner? Because I, and the reason I ask this, because there's a lot of stuff going on in the U.S. right now that's not so great. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of getting burnt out by it and are looking for like an escape hatch. I don't really think of it that way, to be honest with you. And part of it is kind of going back to what I was saying before of how she has inspired me to kind of leave the culture. Right. So like all that stuff that I think a lot of people are kind of caught up in right now and, and feeling a lot of anxiety about, I don't even participate in. Like I'm, I'm done with politics. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to debate people on, you know, where the country should go, what policies we should have, all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm not, or what movie should be number one and, and, you know, whatever messaging is in the movies and all that stuff. I'm just, I'm done with it. So that's not the biggest concern for me. Uh, because I've already removed myself from it. Um, but I, I would love to, as I was kind of saying before, right. I, I would love to make this lifestyle my lifestyle, but the difficulty is, is just the, it's very, it's very difficult to get a a good paying job here as a foreigner. Uh, and you know, that's a policy that I kind of admire about the, the Thai government that they have rules in place where essentially a job is not to go to a foreigner if a Thai person can do it. And that's to protect their citizens from, you know, you know, losing their jobs to an influx of, of foreigners. And so I I respect that, but that makes it very difficult for somebody like me to come over here. You know, I don't have the luxury of, of being a YouTuber like you, you know, I I have a standard kind of nine to five job. And so, you know, that if I were to try to take that skill set and bring it over here, it would be challenging for me to kind of get into that industry, uh, and to make a, a wage where I could, you know, support Kalai and I and our family, uh, hopefully. Uh, you know, our hopeful family. And so for that reason, I don't expect that I would come back here in the immediate future because I need to earn a living and I need to save for our future. But I absolutely love this country. I I love the culture. And so I definitely want to get back here. It's just going to take me longer because I'm going to have to save a lot of money and I'm going to have to kind of, I'm going to have to learn the language and uh, I'm going to have to make more connections. And so my plan is essentially over the next 10 to 20 years, uh, or hopefully less, but you know, I think that's a realistic timeline. Uh, Somewhere in that is to kind of get myself fluent um, and to make connections, make inroads, you know, as we come back here, you know, annually to the point where I could come back here and potentially uh, work and or then retire here. Yeah, that's great. And it's great that you're thinking about like a long term plan. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people rush into things and then they move here and then they're not really ready and then it kind of falls apart. But yeah, you got time. So got time. That's right. And she's going to be with you now. So it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Thank you for telling that story. I think I really wanted you to tell the story because these are these are the real life stories that I see. And I'm just so sick of, you know, a lot of these things on blogs or comments and other videos that, you know, I'm not saying those things don't happen, but you rarely hear a story like this. So thank you for sharing that. No, absolutely. And I I do just want to say just kind of as a closing comment that uh, actually wanted to be here for this, but um, she's kind of nervous still about her English 
And, um, but she encouraged me to do it because she wanted the message to get out there that there are so many good people at places like Soy Cowboy. She said that to me specifically. She, she said like, I love my community there and I love those girls and we're good people. And I think there's a lot of misconception about who we are, why we're here. And I want that to be told. I, I want people to know that we have good hearts, that we're not here to steal people's money, to do bad things. Of course, they're, you know, like any job, like even my job, right? I'm sure there's people who are doing bad stuff on the weekends or whatever. So any, any job, there's going to be people who aren't the hat, who don't have the best character, but it was just really important to her that I come here and tell our story and get the word out there that these not, these girls are good girls and they have great hearts and oftentimes they're just taking the job that gives them the opportunity or the best opportunity to make a difference in their families' lives in these remote towns or villages or whatever you want to call them where their opportunities are so small. And this is really their best chance to make that difference. And they're not in it to get wasted. They're not in it to do drugs. They're not in it to meet a million dudes. They're in it literally to just help their families. And I think that's honorable. And I think she's an incredibly remarkable person. And so that's why I wanted to come and, and tell our story because she wanted me to. Guys, if you want to hear more real life stories from here in Bangkok, hit the subscribe button and check out this video right here.